My good people, what the hell is going on? Hope y'all are doing well. Episode 7, Unnecessary Rambling. I am Brandon Sylvia. Thank you all for stopping by. Thank you all for joining me here today. We have a humongous show. I was really, really considering doing two episodes in a week or doing like just a, a solo news episode because... As I was jotting shit down, we have Dredge to talk about this week. We have Dead Island 2. We have Horizon, uh, Forbidden West, Burning Shores. And then, you know, our, our topics for the week. We have a lot of stuff to go over. And then the news was just piling up. And like I talked about uh, a few weeks back when we had that big-ass episode, that sometimes it's just a week of... And, and uh, like I've talked about before, I, I, I'm only talking about news that is interesting to me. And so some weeks, it's just like a, a bunch of of shit that pops up that catches my eye and I'm like oh damn I really want to talk about that I really want to talk about this but I ended up making a lot of cuts to today's show with with the news in particular because you know we're, we're gonna talk about the games and dive into those um but with the news I, I made a lot of cuts with a, a lot of things that I actually really do want to uh discuss with you all so in the future, I think I will do a, not like a, a weekly solo news show, but in a situation like this where we have a week that's just packed with humongous news stories easily, we could have had an hour show just about the news uh, this week. So I think in the future, I, I will do like a, a solo kind of one-off um, news-focused show. And, and so... Stay tuned for that in the future because I'm a little bit bummed out that, that I, I cut so much good shit or the shit that I think could be interesting to you all out of the show today. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do some uh, news-focused shows in the future. Not like scheduled out on, on a weekly or monthly, like just kind of impromptu, spontaneous. If it's a big week, we'll, we'll dive into the news with its own standalone show in the future. So that way we're not missing some of the big stories that are, are interesting, but got a good show for you today. I hope y'all are doing well. Hope y'all are ready to go, ready to talk some video games and, uh, yeah, and ready to dive into the final topic, which you all voted on, which was the top 10 PS five games so far and then that's going to be an interesting one too because by this time next year i think that list will be drastically different because we're really just starting to get into that range of like ps5 only or next gen only games so like a lot of my list right now that i have is is you know um games that run better on next gen hardware but you can still play on last gen hardware so I, we'll, we'll do an update to this list like early 2024 just to see how different it is but let's go ahead oh uh I, i'm using a new recording software here so the audio should be crystal clear should be smooth and and, and good to go with no choppiness and, and none of that shit so hopefully uh that's the case if they're are any issues let me know and i will address that but i did quite a bit of testing and it seemed to be running really really good running really smooth so hopefully that is cleaned up as well i was gonna talk about the playoffs again nba playoffs boy did i get a lot of fucking predictions wrong in the in the last uh episode well, episode six when, when i was talking about the playoffs i man i a lot of shit wrong but that's kind of the, that, that, that's the, the, that's the fun of it all. 
just watching along and then being proven wrong time and time again. But I'm, I'm going to skip over that because, like I said, we got a lot of stuff to dive into. Let's go ahead and kick it off with what I am playing. And, and let's start here with, let's start with Dredge. I think that's where I want to start today because this is one of my favorite indie games in a long as time maybe since the forgotten city i love this little game it does something to my brain that like is so specifically aligned for what i like in video games it's it's actually something i don't think i've ever talked about on the channel that i i grew up a really really big fan of the sims like the sims one and two in particular i, I loved those games and so dredge on the surface it's like this fishing simulation combined with Cthulhu sort of Lovecraftian horror influence in there. What's lurking beneath the surface that you can't see going out at night, dredging and fishing. And then you're, you're mildly hallucinating a little bit. You think you're having to deal with your sanity meter by heading to your, your rest points and getting some rest, going to sleep, you know, before, uh, before it gets too dark or before you, you, you've stayed up too long, too many hours, and you start really having your sanity fucked with. So those horror elements, of course, really appeal to me. But the Sims element is something I haven't talked about, unfortunately. And I guess it's because I don't really play a lot of those games anymore. But also, the thing about Dredge that really works for me is it's not like a management-only game. It's not like a farming game where the point of the game is farming. There is a story, a beginning, a middle, and an end. So that sort of linear pathway while still being very open and allowing you to go off into the open sea and explore what you want to explore and see what you want to see. But it, it, it's it's giving you the freedom and the openness, but it's also you got an endpoint to your story. So that's kind of appealing to the older gamer in me. When I was younger, I would just create my little Sims family and play that shit for hundreds of hours. And it's like, you know, never got bored of it because it was like, well, shit. Time is unlimited, it feels like, when you're a kid. But now it's like, this just really appealed to me because I was able to do my little fishing sim, able to go off on my quest, and then able to finish the game probably 15 hours into my journey. And then I really dove into this thing. I, you know, going off and trying to upgrade my engine on my boat to, to max capacity, going off and trying to get all the rods so I can catch the biggest fish and grabbing the different pots and the different fucking, uh, you know, uh, nets and shit so that you can, you can just drop it off the back of your boat. And as you're, you're traveling from one Island to another, you're just sucking up as many fish as possible. You head to your, your, your fish market, or I believe they call it like a fish monger. You you head it, you head to the fish market, sell off your fish, and then you go and take that. And you also have like these little research parts that you get from from dredging. And I love that system so much because it's this once again unpredictable nature where you go off and you you see like a you know it gives you like a little outline when you're fishing for what you think you're about to catch, and it'll be like motor parts essentially, or, or, uh, cloth, something cloth bolts or something. And you'll, you'll think, okay, cool. You know, I, I do need some wood panels. I do need some, some cloth. I do need some metal parts. That way I can, uh, you, you do that with researching as well, where you have to 
put in your your parts and all the different shit that you found that way you can you can uh, be able to upgrade to get like the next level of of the best engine and the best rods and all that shit but when you're going out and you're dredging trying to find these resources it, you you oftentimes you know you'll find the little research parts as well and it's like this gold little uh circular cog thing that pops up and every time you get it it's like this just endorphin rush man it's this great endorphin rush You're like hell yeah you know i thought i was going to get this this uh, motor part which is great you know sometimes you do need that but anytime you find that research part you're like fuck yeah i'm about to head back to the head back to the shop upgrade my boat even more and there's I don't want to dive too deep into the narrative of the game or, or the abilities that you get because that's very much tied to the narrative. But I will say uh, the the further you go in this game, the more abilities you unlock that help you deal with uh, the terrain or help you deal with... You know, I mean, it's pretty apparent. I think in the trailers, it does show you're going up against some some monstrous style fish that are coming at you, trying to attack you. And, and you got some enemies that you have to prepare for. And so you get abilities that deal with that along the way. I won't go into what they are or anything because it's it's real cool to, to see it pop up. I, I will say, I believe this is the first one you get. You have the ability to get like a speed burst on your boat. And it's so cool watching the evolution of your boat from when you first get it and you're, you're cruising around and you can barely move that thing, man. Anytime uh, danger is present, you're like, I'm fucked. I'm so, so absolutely fucked. And then, you know, when you're 10 hours in, 12 hours in and you got that engine all the way upgraded, you're just flying past shit. It's such a rewarding loop where you constantly feel like your boat is getting better. You're getting better lighting equipment. You're you're just able to deal with things so much better as you go through the course of the game because of you know your your persistence in the in the open seas when you're going off and fishing and shit. It, it, it was a delight to play. It was an absolute delight to play. It's simple. You know what I mean? You're not going to struggle with the game. You're going to get through it with no problem. But it it's still they're they're early in the game you do kind of run into that that danger and that horror that makes you tense up a little bit just trying to get back to get back to shore or uh, get back to your your you know safe point to, so that you can rest until the next day so it does kind of give you that layer of of tension that is is uh, very much uh, palpable in the earlier moments of the game later on not so much. You're, you're breezing through it pretty easily, but each island has their own distinct setup and distinct look and, and different types of, of, of foes that you're running up against at night and, and just in general, you know, and so you, you, you catch different fish that, that have different costs for when you sell them. Each island has their own selection of different fish. And you meet different characters along the way who want you to help out with side questing. So you go off and run some errands for this character and they give you a little research part or they give you a book. And then whenever you you uh, read your book, you, you click on the book to read it and he kind of reads it while he's fishing or while he's, you know, chilling. And, and as he finishes a book, you get like, okay, 10% lower costs with uh, some of the the fish merchants you get 
10% of a less likelihood of depleting the fish population as you're down there, you know, uh, fishing for your, your sharks and, and, and shit like that. When you want those, those big money fish and you see the, the population, sometimes it like starts off at, at, at high. And then as you keep catching them and reeling them in, it goes to medium and then it goes to low. And you're like, ah, oh, dude, I don't know if I want to do one more. Cause I don't want to deplete the population of fish here because I do believe the next time you come back, if you don't deplete it, the, uh, the fish count like begins to repopulate. So, and honestly, it might do that even if you do deplete it. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I feel like I have depleted some of the, the fish population and then they would just repopulate in the same exact spot the next day when you roll back through there. So, you know, it, it's just, it's not trying once again, it's not trying to challenge you it's trying to give you a, a really, really fun loop that is cozy and relaxing and also a, a, a little bit terrifying at night and, and, and tense at night. And um, and then it, it wants you to feel that progression whenever you you get further in the game where it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm breezing through this thing with with uh, no problem whatsoever. I feel like I was making a point and I completely lost where the hell the my, my, my thought process was going there but yeah man I, we'll go ahead and close it up with dredge it's a it's a beautiful great indie game that I had an absolute blast playing and it, it's one that let me let me go ahead and confess my sin on dredge though this is uh, something I'm not proud of, but you know what? At, at the same time, I'm very glad that it turned out that I, I loved this game. But I didn't know how much I loved it when I when I did what I did. I bought it digitally, even though I, I had a physical copy that was in the mail, or, or you know that I that I bought that was being shipped out to me. I bought it digitally, like four days before Horizon Burning Shores came out because I did not realize that Burning Shores and Dead Island 2 were like literally a day or two apart from one another. And then Dredge, the physical version, was releasing, I believe, I think, I could be wrong, I think Burning Shores released 19th, uh, the, the 19th. Dredge, my physical copy, would have been here the 20th. And then Dead Island 2 would have been the 21st, I think. So... It was just going like I wasn't it, it would have been a shit show. You know what I mean? I would have been kind of all over the place and I just wanted to finish Dredge and then dive into Burning Shores because I knew that would be be shorter and then di dive into Dead Island 2 and not have to like rush through it. I wanted to really get the experience out of each of them. But um, yeah, you know, double dipping there. I But I will say I love the game so much that I'm, I'm looking looking at it now. I'm glad that uh I'm glad that I, I made that decision because I'm happy to put some more money in, in those developers' pockets. But I didn't know that going into it. So it's, it's something I, 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 you know, try my best not to do. But it, it you know, it, it is what it is. I'm glad it just panned out. I'm glad it wasn't some stinker of a game and I'm fucking sending extra money to a developer of, of a game that, that made some shit I didn't like at all. Giving them extra incentive to, to make more of it. But... I'm glad it did work out that way for this fucking gorgeous, beautiful little indie game. Watching the watching the dolphins jump out of the water as sun's setting or sun is rising, and you're 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 seeing fucking whales, uh, you know, whales doing their little whale shit. What do whales do? You see some whales in the game. They're out there chilling, 
catching sharks, the inventory management. That's that's I I, I don't know how I didn't think about or didn't speak about this. The inventory management, the the one of my favorite parts of old school survival horror games, trying to get all those inventory slots lined up and, and you know you you got the eel you go out and you get the eel the, it takes up three three spaces in your inventory slot so you got that three there you maybe only have two left so you you know you go in and you're you're, you're looking around and then you, you got to find the the fish that only takes up two slots so you put that there but then you see a shark and you're like gosh shit, i want to catch the shark because i'll go make 125 or 200 dollars at the fish market so you catch the shark he's all fucking lopsided and then you know takes up all this space in the inventory and nothing that that's like uh uh he's taking up a bunch of jagged ass space with his with his with his fin and and all that shit so you're, you're having to line up your inventory around the shark and his fin and all his weird little parts and then you know just the big ass big ass fucking sharks and swordfish and shit that you're trying to catch just uh, it gives you that great you know, inventory management satisfaction that you get from survival horror games. That's like one of my favorite parts of dredge, just filling up that inventory slot and taking it back to the fish market and clicking sell all and getting, you know, a, a fucking two, two grand, or I don't know if I ever got two grand, but getting a bunch of money from, from having that inventory, that full inventory filled up with fish. And then, you know, you have these, uh, I forget what they call it, but like these special fish that you can collect at night or just certain times throughout the day, certain breed of fish, you can catch a, a, a special variation and then they sell for a little bit more. And yeah, I, I did. It was so satisfying. It just it, it hit that specific uh, dopamine rush in my brain that that just works for me on the survival horror level and also the chill kind of sim management level. I love Dredge legitimately like one of my favorite games of the year i was really considering after i finished this i was like damn is this i think resident evil 4 remake is my my favorite game of the year but i was like this might be my fucking number two game of the year hogwarts Legacy's up there but dredge Resident Evil 4 and Hogwarts Legacy, I, th those are my top three. Dredge is a legit game of the year contender. Do not sleep on this bad boy. This is an excellent fucking video game. All right, so uh, today is seemingly the day of confessions, and, and I, I have another one here. Horizon Burning Shores, the DLC for Forbidden West, my, my game of the year of 2022. I had to play this damn thing on easy. I totally forgot all the mechanics all the systems i i put 50 hours into forbidden west and i i just i, I booted this thing up and, and you know we're talking about a year later the the original game launched in and and or the base game launched in february and now we're talking about the dlc in april so you're naturally going to forget some things but i forgot everything everything i had forgotten about uh, the mechanics of of forbidden west it, it a lot going on there. A lot going on there. You got your flying mounts. You're having to figure out how to how to accelerate with them fuckers. How to land them fuckers. How you, you got your your crafting. You got your upgrading. You got your your you know uh, the the different weapons. You got your pull caster. Your trip caster. Your bows. The different types of bows. The there's just a lot of systems with Horizon. And I I 
I guess I, I kind of took that for granted because that was never something I would even think to mention when talking about Forbidden West. It, it was just always like, oh yeah, the fucking the the world is incredible, the visuals, the the technical performance, the like the the gameplay, it's so fun. Like the, those are always my praises for Forbidden West. Not really the complexity that's offered up there, and there it's a very complex fucking game. It it really really is. There is a lot on offer with uh horizon and and you kind of forget that whenever you get out of it for a little bit and then get back into it there's a lot of shit on offer with with uh, uh forbidden west but yeah i had to play it on easy man had to play it on easy i got to like I, I was going through it pretty well and then i got to like the first little boss area and i was just getting demolished over and over and over again and once again i knew that that dead island 2 was releasing in like two days and i was like I, i'm not going to be finished in time to, to give Dead Island 2 its kind of proper just do before coming on the show and, and talking about it with you guys. So, Cranked, Horizon, Burning Shores, down to easy. And I, I just figured I would I would appreciate it a lot more because they don't they do not do any hand-holding with Burning Shores. You you have to finish the main game of, of uh, Forbidden West, and they expect you to jump into Burning Shores like you, you didn't forget any of the shit. In, in Forbidden West. So it's like a, a jarring experience to to jump into. And um, so, yeah, you know, I, I cranked it down to easy, had a fucking great time with it. And I, I technically, I think that this is probably the most impressive, even though it's just a DLC, this is probably the most impressive piece of video game content that I've ever played in my life on, on a technical level, the, the visuals, the, you know, they had like the wave stacking systems in, in forbidden West with like the most detailed, just immaculate fucking water you've ever seen in a video game. They've went and then uh, they added for one, a flying mount that you can take underwater now to really get the most out of that experience. And then also They've went and fucking detailed their cloud systems to be the most just ridiculous, in-depth, little, uh, like, you, you're literally taking your flying mount through these clouds, and you're, you're spinning the camera, seeing your flying mount going through the clouds, going in, going out, I'm shooting down, you're looking off at the vista on the left, you see the Hollywood sign with this, this pit of lava, this almost, like, like, a. The paved fucking uh, road of lava on on the side on the ground down below it just it's beautiful man it's a fucking beautiful beautiful game the uh, character animation the facial animation all of that with forbidden west it seems like it's even more uh, improved and the subtlety is so easily uh, e it's so easy to realize what these characters are feeling before they say anything. You know, if a character is, is looking e even like skeptical about something, it doesn't have to be outright uh, sadness, outright anger, outright, outright joy, just like even a look of, of skepticism. You can see it with the way that their eyes sort of transition or the way that they just look off to the side and like the littlest, smallest fucking facial expressions you can you can really recognize that in in burning shores it is marvelous technically it is the uh, i off the top of my head i would say it's the most impressive uh in terms of, of a technical perspective the most impressive game i've ever played in my life it, it, it is unbelievable man unbelievable and yeah i i oh 
got to talk about this. Got to talk about this. No spoilers, but I got to at least mention it when we're talking about the tech side of things here. The final boss. I, I, I won't give anything away, but I will say... It, Shadow of the Colossus on fucking whatever Brock Lesnar and Dave Batista were taking in like 2004. It just, just horse steroids. Just the fucking... The, 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 I, I mean, you're talking, you're talking Shadow of the Colossus on, on top level Ronnie Coleman fucking Rich Piana steroids. This thing is unbelievable and totally interactive and it mesmerizing. That final boss is mesmerizing and it just how everything's set up, obviously not going into spoilers there, but the, the story, uh, it is so like, I didn't really love the story with forbidden West. That was like my main complaint with forbidden West. The story is so much simpler here and it's a smaller scale with like kind of large scale stakes, but the, it, it, it's boiled down and with fewer characters, but all of the characters are real highlights and, and very, very detailed and, and um, fleshed out really well within this, you know, seven-ish hour campaign. And the main villain is is really special, like a very memorable main villain. And just kind of like this smaller scale, almost cultist style story that plays out. I, I really, I really dug the story a whole lot with uh, Burning Shores. And Aloy, her character definitely is is getting fleshed out towards the back end of that game, kind of getting to know her on a, on a deeper level there. So that was great. And and yeah, I, I like the story here way more than um, than with Forbidden West. But yeah, it's a, it's a technical masterpiece. It is. It's the, the most impressive game on a technical level that I've, I've ever seen in my life, even though it's just DLC. It's... What what Gorilla is able to do is mind blowing, you know. With with that Decima engine, I cannot wait to see their their third game in the Horizon series, or if they go off and work on a new IP. I just can't wait to see how they really utilize next gen technology when they're they're hammering home full force and focusing specifically on that. All right, and next up, let's talk about some Dead Island Two. I uh, I picked this up. I saw all the gore, all the crazy shit that they were trying to do with the the flesh system and dismembering these zombies and shit. And you guys know I'm a sucker for brutality, a sucker for gore, and then all the the physics and shit that they had in play in place for Dead Island Two. I was like, let me let me let me play this. Let me check this out. And I got to say, uh, at first, for the first few hours, and I'm only about seven ish hours in at this point. For the first like four or so hours, I was fairly cold on this. I was like, man, it just doesn't feel crunchy at all. Like, you know, looking at, and I know this wasn't developed by Techland, but looking at what Techland did with Dying Light 2 and, you know, they they developed the original Dead Island, I'm like, man, it just felt so much crunchier and, and... also, you know, having that that parkour system, the best parkour system in video games, in my opinion, with with Dying Light, and and with Dying Light Two specifically, like it, it was just jumping into Dead Island Two. 
it felt like something big was missing, which I do think was that parkour system. The 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 uh, ability to to traverse so swiftly from area to area and the the kind of danger that was present while doing that. Dead Island 2 doesn't have that thing there for me or it didn't early on and I still don't think it does yet. But I will say the I just got to Venice Beach. And once I got there and I was looking around at the locations and, you know, just seeing how explorable it was and all the different environmental hazards that you had. And then it, it became a lot more fun. I, I think the location really of Venice Beach just really upped my uh, enjoy or upped my desire to be in this game world in general. And um I do think that as I've upgraded my weapons more and more and, you know, now I have my my gun that does like long range fucking shock damage. So I'll, I'll see enemies who are, are sitting in a fucking in a, in a pool and I'll just start shooting them with my long range shotgun or shoot the shoot the pool. And it just it emits this electric shock that goes from one zombie to the next and they're all getting fucking fried and you see you know, a, a gas can on the ground. And then you see some sort of something flammable, like a, an explosive barrel. You pour gas all around the explosive barrel. You shoot the, you shoot the barrel. It just creates this humongous explosion. And like, that's the type of stuff that, that I was really looking for here. Uh, some good, uh, expansive environmental interactions that would create more of a enjoyable loop than just pressing R2 over and because at the start of the game that's really what you were doing you're just pressing R2 over and over and over and it's a very 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 simple game and I love simple games do not get me wrong I love a good simple game but there was really no challenge which I don't mind but I did mind the fact that there wasn't a way for me to at first to really get something deep out of this combat loop out of this moment to moment loop it was just a lot of pressing r2 and looking at the you know uh, looking at my decapitation artwork in motion and looking at my my character chopping off damn limbs and like i i love that stuff but the you're, you're going to need a little bit more on top of that as well a little bit more variety on top of that which you did end up getting and, and I do got to say it's satisfying you know blocking at the perfect time and then the little icon pops up for you to press r2 you smash down on an enemy's head with your fucking sledgehammer or whatever you see the the you see the hammer split through the damn head and you know it, it, it is very gruesome gory detailed and it does feel very uh I guess next gen it, it feels it feels impressive on a technical level. Like I said, it, it it's hard to go to this after playing Burning Shores. I will say that when you're looking at the the just visuals, the graphical fidelity, the the uh, Burning Shores is is it, it's hard to compare anything to that. And I'm not trying to do that, but it was like a okay, yeah, you know, this is a uh, this is this is definitely a step back. But there are impressive things going on with Dead Island 2 just on a technical level and I got to say like 
it's been pretty consistently locked at 60 frames or seemingly to my eye been locked no real frame rate dips nothing like that and you're talking about some pretty big expansive open areas um it, it's not fully open world like something uh, similar to dying light it's more location based where you have a venice beach that's open-ended and you can explore different parts of that and you, you have like different settings for you to explore that are open it's small scale open worlds with linear pathways with you know the checkpoints to go you know you go and follow this waypoint system get to your your next mission you have side quests that pop up you go and follow those to get to those missions and but in you know on your your travels getting to those next locations you do have suitcases to go and rummage through and little just things off to the side where you're like oh i wonder what that is and you jump over a gate and uh, there, there's some cool goodies or a, a dope ass weapon that you go and find so it does allow you to explore in, in a way that is uh, similar to something like a dying light with its open world, but it, it's much, much smaller scale. I do really love the simplicity with the upgrading system where, you know, you have your weapons, you, you click on the upgrade, it's all laid out, just, just really, really plain there for you. And, you know, you go and you add some like little elemental damage where you can do like an acid attack or you, you add like this acid effect to your weapon or you add this burn effect to your weapon or you know an, an electric shock to your weapon and especially the acid one where you're you're hitting the enemy over and over with this bat that has some sort of uh, acid concoction attached to it and and as you're hitting them you're seeing their flesh peel off their body and they're just disintegrating in front of you it, it's I, I love the, the the little shit that they have going on and yeah, you know, it, there's, I think, probably a layer of replayability here because when you start off the game, you have, uh, I believe, like five or six different characters that you get to choose between and they all have different skills and different abilities laid out for you and, you know, their uh, attributes are laid out. So you kind of go in and pick the one that you think will work best for your playstyle. I went with a dude named Ryan because he had a like health regeneration thing anytime you like knocked back an enemy or knocked down an enemy and uh, there was another character uh, Danny who had something similar but her like health recovery like base attribute stat was real low so I ended up going with Ryan and then maybe once again talking about how simple the game is how easy it's been maybe it is because I went with a dude who literally his like main uh, ability character ability was that he recovered health and regenerated health better than than most of the other characters that you can select from on the plane but he sacrificed agility to do so so you know depending on how you want to play the game you get to go in and pick whichever character fits your playstyle or your preferred playstyle best so you know that that is a a nice addition there just in terms of adding replayability to the game and yeah, you know, you have like a, a your your upgrade tree is essentially this deck of cards, and as you go, you you unlock different cards that you can swap in, swap out, and they all have their different boosts and shit like that. And um, yeah, it, I I've I've had a better time with it in the last two hours than I did the first like fourish hours or so. So I my I'm trending upward on dying or on on Dead Island. I was I was like. I wouldn't even say lukewarm at first. I was like, eh, this is all right at first. And now I'm like, okay, this is, this is pretty good actually. But you know, I don't have my, um, final thoughts, 
available right now. I, I will finish the game by next week, come in and give you my final thoughts on Dead Island 2. But as of right now, I, I it's not something I would probably recommend at 70 bucks. But I do think this will be a good game for people like me who really like you know, good gruesome brutality or people who like first person melee systems um, and you're craving something after playing Dying Light 2, you know, picking this up on a sale, I, I, I think I would recommend it around a $30 price tag or something like that. 70 bucks? Probably not. All right. So we're already running fairly damn long here and we're just kicking off the news. So I'm going to try to breeze through this fairly quickly here. First story that we have is uh, Netflix is seemingly getting into the gaming industry in a much more significant, serious manner here. Joseph Staten on Twitter says, In my work life, there's nothing I love more than collaborating with others to build worlds filled with iconic characters, deep mysteries, and endless adventures. So today, I'm thrilled to announce that I've joined Netflix Games as creative director for a brand new AAA multi-platform game and original IP. Joseph Staten, for those of you who don't know, is a absolute fucking vet. He was with, you know, Bungie. He uh, helped build Destiny, helped build some of the original Halo games. And, you know, and then he was uh, acquired or he was hired by Microsoft to really help uh, get Halo Infinite over the finish line. So the dude is an absolute vet, especially within like that live service sort of uh, first person shooter realm. And Netflix, uh, he, he left Microsoft and went over to Netflix. I am cautiously optimistic about this news. I really love having, you know, big players, big money partners in the game space. You know what I mean? I, I like the idea a lot of Netflix going out and saying, okay, we're going to we're going to try to get the, the the baddest free agents on the market, the baddest developers on the market who are free agents to come in, work alongside Joseph Staten, work under his leadership and, and crank out a humongous triple a legit video game. That's that's once again, multi platform keyword, very, very keyword. If this was attached to the streaming shit, that Netflix has going on, I wouldn't really have any interest in it whatsoever because, you know, I, I would much rather just play the indie games that they have, like Immortality and, and I think like uh, Oxenfree, which which we'll talk about a little bit about later. I'd much rather just play them on on a console. You know what I mean? I loved Immortality. I, if if you know if you want to play it through streaming on Netflix, knock your you know knock yourself out. But I I would I would much rather just have a legit console experience. And the fact that they're getting into a multi-platform release here, I think that is, is a really, really good sign. And, you know, I think too, we'll talk about in a little, in a little bit here with, with Sony and their fucking price gouging and, and just these weird anti-consumer moves that these companies begin to make. And I think whenever there's not enough competition, you can start to see some of these things begin creeping in. And I, I, I love the idea. Like think about if Google would have got into the console space opposed to this fucking silly cloud streaming bullshit with Stadia. Imagine if Google went and did what Netflix did and said, all right, look, we're going to, we're going to build this studio around Joseph Staten. And we're going to pump $400 million into, you know, let's just say a, a Grand Theft Auto competitor. 
we're going to have the baddest fucking open world GTA competitor on the market. And then, you know, now you're looking at this transmedia world where you can go and, and you've got your, your Grand Theft Auto competitor and now... Uh, Hollywood comes knocking at your door and you have a humongous hit like The Last of Us and you're making billions of dollars there and Netflix already has that integration available. They have their own fucking humongous uh, hundreds of millions of people tuning in on their subscription service already. So it's like, if this game's a huge hit, they can easily translate that into a TV show or into a movie or whatever the case may be. So there's tons of, of, of money on the table here uh, across the board. And I, I want more of this competition in the game space in general. You know, it, 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 I think it's better for us. It's better for the consumer, you know, when, when we're not having to rely on even just now with, with PlayStation kind of fucking dominating at, for the time being, it seems like they can do and move however they wish and they don't really have a lot to worry about because their consumers aren't uh, probably aren't going to leave their platform and they're not going to quit buying their games and just just more competition i'm always very 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 much in favor of that i want this new amazon published tomb raider game to be a humongous hit you know i want to see uh, the, the you know sell 10 million copies make a bunch of money and then for tomb raider 2 that's published by amazon we get the best damn version of tomb raider ever a 300 million dollar laura croft adventure like i don't i i don't ever my my pushback with google was never the fact that it was google it was the fact that it was stadia you know that it wasn't a, a real console that you couldn't really play uh, unless you had just fiber optic internet like the infrastructure just wasn't there for stadia to be a success this seems pretty traditional. This seems like they they, they are, are getting into the video game space in a, in a proper, real way with Netflix here. So I'm I'm very much on board for that. And, and Netflix already has a bunch of IP that they could uh, adapt into a legit, real AAA game. You you have your uh, I'm not a film and television guy, but you know you have something like uh fucking uh, Norcos, or, or you have something like. You know, even even the 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 Chris Hemsworth movie what, what was that uh, Extraction? I think that's a, a Netflix original. Um, the one with with Ryan Reynolds, the the little heist movie with with Ryan Reynolds. Like those would be great uh, video games. It'd be so fun to to play a video game version of shit like that. And and I, I guess the 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 big pushback I could see being used here is that Netflix has a tendency to cancel shit that people really love. So, I mean, I guess if this is a live... Ooh, yeah, that makes sense. If it's a live service game, that probably would be a big red flag. If this is going to be, you know, a typical kind of Joseph Staten, Halo Destiny-style title, especially with the way the tides are starting to turn where live service games are not nearly as bankable and reliable of a, of a cash cow as they used to be, then yeah, you know, there is, uh, I would say some uh, cause for concern here because if people get into this and people really enjoy this and then it, it turns out that Netflix isn't making as much money as they thought on it, they end up doing like they did with glow, uh, 
you know, they, they end up canceling this live service game after a couple years or it, maybe even less if, if they're pumping a bunch of cash into it and not seeing the return there. But I, I hope, I really hope that it's going to be like a legit single player game or even just a multiplayer game without the live service components um, or, or not as intrusive. And, and cause I don't want Netflix to be, I don't want them to steer away from this endeavor just because they don't have immediate success with a live service game. Cause that's just not, it's not trending. Gaming's not trending in that direction right now, you know? And, and I, I, I mean, just the pedigree of Netflix, I think it's so much more, it, it it's leans so much more into, you know, narrative. So it, it would be great to see Joseph Staten work on a, like a legit narrative game and, 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 you know, hiring some excellent writers. And, and I think that would fit the brand so much better, but we shall see. I, I do think if it ends up becoming a live service game, that that's probably a, a big reason to, to, to have some concern with this, just with Net, Netflix's history of, of canceling things that were, you know, like you're, you're, you're in season three and people love it. And then they're, they're in mid production of, of season four and it ends up getting canceled. Like shit like that seems to happen quite a bit with Netflix. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a live service game and something like that does happen. But I, I hope that's not the direction we end up going in. If it is, then yeah, I'll, I'll grant you any sort of, worry that you have but as of right now i'm fairly optimistic on this all right and uh as i alluded to there a second ago sony has been pulling some fucking wild shit here i'm gonna, i'm just gonna read you this article from vgc uh, shout out I, I gotta give a shout out man vgc benji sales uh fucking insider gaming those have been like my three absolute go-to's for for news and and information in the uh in the game space lately so definitely shout out to those three outlets all very much worth uh subscribing to or 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 fucking following on twitter or whatever okay so vgc says here playstation has significantly increased steam game prices in some countries Goes on to say, as first spotted by Reset Era user Chairman Chuck, the prices of Sackboy A Big Adventure and Returnal have been increased this week in countries including Argentina, Canada, Chile, China, Colombia, Japan, and South Korea. VGC has verified these price rises using SteamDB and found that other PlayStation titles including God of War and Spider-Man Remastered have received similar price increases. The price increase varied by country and title. In Canada, the price for, of all four games has been up by $10, representing a 145 to 17% increase based on their starting price. In Sony's home country of Japan, the prices of games have risen by approximately 29% and 32.5%. Argentina appears to be by far the most heavily affected by this price increase. Jesus Christ, man. Uh, listen to this number. God of War's price has more than doubled this week from 4199 pesos to 8499 pesos the cost of spider-man remastered has also doubled while the prices of sackboy and returnal have risen by 67 percent dude I, that's what i'm talking about that's why I, I i fucking want a damn netflix console that's why i want microsoft to get their fucking shit together and, and, and Xbox to get their shit together and release some goddamn AAA games. I, 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 more 
competition. I, I wish Sega could get some real funding. I wish Google would have created a real console. I wish Amazon would have created a real console. And then, you know, started getting some exclusives and fucking competing. Because, God damn it, man. That's a real fucking problem. Doubling prices in Argentina. 67% increases. 32% increase in Japan, their home country, for, for game prices on, on Steam. That's crazy. That's criminal. That's insanity. That is insanity, dude. They're making... You know what? Here. Let, let, let's, let's move on. Because this directly ties into it. The NPDs came out. Uh, the March NPDs. The, uh, or they're now called the, the Circana. The Circana data has been released. And this is, once again, from Benji Sales. Shout out to Benji Sales. Um, hardware. PS5. At number one, switch it to Xbox Series at number three. PS5 has increased, I, I believe, in the UK. I don't have this pulled up. Let me let me go ahead and pull it up real quick. Yeah, okay, once again, from Benji Sales, March Hardware. PS5 is up 400%. Switch is down 19%. Xbox Series is down 13%. Q1 hardware for PS5, up 369%. Switch down 18%, Xbox Series down 10%. That's why they could get away with all this goddamn price gouging. It, 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 but it's also why they shouldn't do it. You know, they're making goddamn money hand over fist. It's crazy. The, the, just, once again, I'm so in favor of of real competition. I, I, when I, when I talk shit about Microsoft, when I talk shit about Xbox, I promise you it's coming from a place of hoping that they really start cranking out high quality triple a titles because Sony is so goddamn anti-consumer. It's egregious. This shit that they'll pull off. Absolutely fucking egregious. Nickel and diamond people on, on upgrades early in the console generation, you know, just even looking at the, the premium service for, for PlayStation plus $18 to play like barely any classic titles. And they're just awful with their anti consumer practices. And, um, yeah, Microsoft has their issues too. Xbox has their issues too, specifically regarding DRM and shit like that. But in terms of nickel and diamond, I don't feel like that's something you can really accuse Xbox of or Microsoft of. You pay fucking $15 and you get access to all their titles, which might be absolutely fucking ridiculous. It, it just, just, I don't know that that might, that might've been a horrible business strategy. What well, remains to be seen, but supposedly subscription, uh, the, 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 there hasn't been much of an increase to their subscription services as of late on the console space. Supposedly PC is doing pretty well, but regardless of all that, we need competition. We need more and more competition. Amazon, make a damn console. Google, make a damn console. Netflix, crank a console out. Fuck it. Let, 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 let's get some competition rolling out here. Cause that, that's, that's horrible. Uh, talking about 67% uh, increases, doubling prices of a, 32% increase in the, their home country. Just insane. But 
let's uh let's move to some good news here and then talk about the software sales the the uh the the mpds the software sales for the mpds we have number one resident evil 4 remake number two hogwarts legacy three mlb the show 23 four call of duty modern warfare 2 five last of us part one six fifa 23 seven wwe 2k 23 eight elden ring nine madden 23 10 mario kart 8 so the reason i i want to talk about this i'm hyped about this my my top two games of the year are number one and number two for march's sales data with with re4 remake at number one hogwarts legacy at number two i'm fucking pumped about that and i think uh, probably the two best games of the year along with dredge and uh yeah that, that, that that's just i love seeing that go out and support the good shit the shit that you want to see more of go out and buy it and uh yeah, we'll, we'll continue to get more good shit like it. I, I, just, I absolutely love seeing that. So I just wanted to wanted to shout that out. RE4 Remake crushing it. Hogwarts Legacy still crushing it. And um, yeah, so some other shocking bits here. The uh, WWE 2K23 at number 7 on on uh, the, the, the charts. I don't know if that's... I, I, I feel like that might be a bit of a underwhelming performance. If, if you had to ask 2k, I wonder how they feel about that because it came out this month. So you would think, you know, it, it might be over something like FIFA 23, which came out a fucking while ago. And, uh, uh, call of duty, modern warfare, which is always up there. But you know, the last was part one. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe because of the success of the television show, you can potentially see something like that just lingering for a, a hot minute, maybe or at least until next month with with the show being over now. Um, but I don't know. I feel like 2K might be kind of bummed about where where 2K23 launched at, but I, I, I don't. I wonder what that translates to numbers wise. And yeah, you see Elden Ring persisting, staying there, so. That is uh, good news for the the FromSoft fans. And, uh, yeah, uh, next up, just real quick, Sony acquired Firewalk Studio. Firewalk Studio is working on a live service first-person title. Don't really know much about it at this time. They have, like, a, a staff of 150 developers uh, right now, so they're definitely making, like, a legit AAA game. They, a bunch of former Bungie talent is over there, so, you know, um, we'll, we'll probably see more on that this summer. And uh, I have I wanted to do like everything that caught my eye at the Nintendo uh, Indie World event, but let's just uh, yeah, well, 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 I'm gonna close off. I just want to say Bomb Rush Cyberpunk is finally fucking releasing. We got the release date August 18th. Bomb Rush Cyberpunk, baby, let's go. It, unfortunately, it is only on Steam and Switch uh, for August 18th. It'll come to PS5 and uh, and and Series X later on it said that in their official trailer but some some real good stuff at the nintendo indie world i'm not going to go through uh, like in depth on it but uh, minko's night market shadows over loathing oxen free 2 little kitty big city those all caught my eye at the nintendo indie world event and um yeah let's let's go ahead and and we'll close off the show here with our our final topic i don't want to take up too much of your time i'm sure this final topic's going to be a bit long so we'll we'll go ahead and dive into that all right so you guys voted for 
the top 10 PS5 games to be the final topic of the show, to close off the show today, and we are going to dive into it. Like I said earlier in the show, Ed, I think we will definitely have to do uh, an updated list in 2024 pretty early in 2024 because it seems like 2023 we're really just starting to get like the the big next gen only titles. So I'm curious to see how different this list will be in like January of 2024. But let's go ahead and kick it off with number 10 Sifu. Absolutely a a dream, you know, mixed martial arts kung fu inspired title. This love letter to to classic you know karate kung fu movies and and man the loop of sifu is really the most addictive and rewarding part of trying to get out of each level at, at a you know younger age each time as you're running through it you're like well damn I, I you know i know i died three times there but i think i can do it i think i can do it without dying this next time now that i know exactly the right times to parry now that i know exactly the right times to to jump and to like you you just start learning these little things these little details that that allow you to get through each stage at a quicker rate the the um, iconic interior design of these levels they're so memorable ingrained in your head the the club section so fucking iconic the final boss battle the challenge with that final boss battle like i i think i i think i can't i'm not 100 sure but i think you can only get to like 65 before you have to restart and i was like right there i only i could only die like one more time and I finally got through it just just on the brink of death, my health dwindling down, finally got through it. It's just that sigh of relief, but it's not, I don't like, you know, overly challenging games. I'm not a souls guy. I'm not really into uh, that stuff, but, but the action, the, the frenetic combat, the fast pace of Sifu and, and just, there was something about, you know, it's not a 30 hour game. You know, you can get through it in 10 hours. It's just about practicing and, and, becoming proficient within those 10 hours of of this loop and and i don't know i just i I found it a lot more palatable to me so number 10 sifu number nine the forgotten city Uh, we talked about this last week in my most underrated games of all time i fucking love the forgotten city absolutely love this this uh, missing person mystery time looping epic epic journey that you go on epic adventure epic narrative and um, the the townspeople are all so important it's visually pretty striking for for an indie game and like a legit indie game super super small team and they pulled off something absolutely magical with uh the forgotten city it's it's a game that really rewards you for deep diving and trying to uncover as much uh, detail about what is going on in this town as humanly possible. Tons of twists and turns and epic arcs for these characters. Great, great game with uh, The Forgotten City. Number eight, Resident Evil 8. Uh, I love, I, I just thought this was, in my opinion, such a step forward from RE7, especially in terms of enemy encounter and the enemy design that, that you run up against. I just loved the enemies in Resident Evil 8. Some some really solid boss battles as well. Obviously, the iconic characters like Lady Dimitrescu and the Resident Evil 4 influence there with the, you know, with the setting and sort of the tone of RE8. And 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm i not totally into the winner's stuff that they had going on. I'm glad we're moving on from that. But I just thought that it was such a solid first-person shooter with some really tense moments, some good horror, uh, specifically with one very, very, uh, very specific section of that game that, that really elevates the horror more than I would say most Resident Evil games uh, ever have. So... Yeah, Resident Evil 8 is going to come in at number 8 for me. One of my favorite Resident Evil games ever. Number 7, Dead Space, the remake that came out this year. Got a remake from old 2000 and 2008, I believe. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's a it, incredible, incredible remake. It's very true to the original, so it's one that I... I don't necessarily uh, like I understand why people might have been a little bit hesitant to pay the $70 for this remake I get that but it's one worth experiencing there are real improvements here with the the zero gravity section and shit like that um and just visually the the graphical fidelity on offer with dead space it truly utilizes next gen hardware better than most games on the market right now uh with it being exclusive to next gen systems like you, you can't play this on a ps4 and xbox one and out of everything we've talked about so far uh yeah, i believe it's the only game that i think sifu if i'm not mistaken is available on on last gen systems so it, it's the only game we've talked about so far that is an exclusively next gen title and and you 100 feel that next gen technology when you're playing dead space it is a a marvel to to look at and and it's a technical powerhouse for sure number six hogwarts legacy my uh i think right now if i'm not mistaken my second favorite game of 2023 and this is just an excellent open world game. Even if you're not a fan of Harry Potter or Hogwarts, if you have no investment in that universe, which I do not, I still think you can get so much out of this experience. It is a magical world to be a part of. And and I like getting into it really made me understand why people could get so enamored and, and hooked into the, the wizarding world, you know, the the Hogsmeade, going off and exploring Hogsmeade, going off and just seeing these different settings. And, you know, even the, the fucking castle is so rich and full of detail. And I can't imagine how that must have felt for someone who was a legit Harry Potter fan to go in and be like, oh my God, I remember that detail and that detail. And oh shit, this little thing over here that's hidden, uh, you know, I remember that from this specific movie or whatever the case may be. Like it was just... I, I, I can imagine people who really had that investment got so much out of this game, but even for someone who doesn't have that investment, there's a lot here just in terms of being a legitimately good open world third person action adventure game. It gives you a ton on offer there, a bunch of different spells that you're able to cast that add great variety to the combat, a, a pretty solid narrative with legitimately two great great side quests and yeah I, I enjoyed the shit out of my time with hogwarts legacy it's coming in at number six number five evil west once again we talked about this on the most underrated games list last week i adore evil west i absolutely adore this game it is a brutal gore fest just an absolute love letter to the the sixth and seventh generation style of linear uh, third person games that don't f pad content that's unnecessary it's straight 
giving you the bulk, giving you the good shit, giving you the stuff you want, and and allowing you to just slaughter foes in the most gruesome fashion possible. So goddamn fun. And uh, yeah, it's coming in at number five for me. Really, uh, we talked about it last week, so I'm not going to expand too much, but a surprisingly solid narrative and presented really well with, with solid cinematics and it, it, once again, inspired by your your God of War and your Gears of War, and then giving you uh, melee action alongside your 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 uh, long range and your firearm action, and combining those two with a bunch of uh, magical powers and and shit going on. Like it it is very much similar to games of yesteryear, and and inspired by those games. But still, I feel like it it cuts out a lot of the the padding even from some of those games it's really straight to the point and just constantly fun you're never not having a blast with evil west number four lost judgment um this i i i never played the yakuza games judgment in 2019 was my first like yakuza spinoff title and the, the Yagami Detective Agency. And, and I, I just really got into what they were doing with the narrative. I really liked the characters. I liked the world. And and the the mini games on offer. And just the little side activities that you could go and do. You know, in Lost Judgment, you have essentially a whole subquest. Like multiple spanning multiple different storylines. That it's, it's just the inclusion of mini games. You go off and join a boxing club. You go off and join a, a, a fucking biker gang. And these mini games are, uh, could be, you know, l- l- like no disrespect, but there was a, a Rocky or a Creed game that came out like last year, or the year before lost judgments, boxing mini game. That is just a small uh, piece of that game is just as in depth as the full Creed boxing game. That was released. So they there's so so much in that game to go and do. They have the little fucking uh, uh what is it like the little mechs that you're controlling and trying to take over a board, almost similar to something like the pogo stick game on Crash Bash, and you going off to the to the Sega arcades and going off to the batting cages and playing some top golf like so much to do in these games. And that's once again only the the side shit. You're talking about a pretty gripping, solid main narrative as well to go and explore. And they expanded with with different fighting styles and allowing for more defensive maneuvers in Lost Judgment, opposed to, to the original game in 2019 that pretty much just offered you up some pretty standard brawler combat. So Lost Judgment, number four, absolutely fucking love it. Number three, Plague Tale Requiem. The best narrative of the generation, hands down, in my opinion, that I've experienced. Nothing even comes close. Uh, Best ending to any game of of the last uh, probably 10 years for me, or somewhere in that range at least. I adore this narrative. I think it tops the first game in every aspect it is a little bit more action focused you don't have to rely on stealth as much i love the the upgrade system it it, some of you voted i I think it was in second place if i'm not if i'm not mistaken my favorite uh, unusual mechanics in video games and i gotta say one here it's not necessarily a mechanic but it's a a upgrade implementation is the way that a plague tale requiem the upgrade system pretty much solely relies on how you play the game 
and it upgrades your character naturally based off of what you do. So if you want something to be upgraded in that, that chart, you need to play the game appropriately. So if you play more aggressively, your aggressive attributes will increase. If you play more stealthily, your stealthily, uh, or your stealth attributes will increase. So it's taking from Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, which I, I'm sure there's other games that have done it too, but Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, when you're running around, you know, a, a, as CJ, you're you're constantly upgrading your stamina. When you're lifting weights, you're upgrading your strength. When you're going out and eating too much damn clucking bell, you're getting fat. Like, it's, I, I loved that system. I loved that upgrade system of, of just naturally applying the upgrades based off of what you were doing in the game. And uh, Plague Tale Requiem does that in, in a game that really wouldn't have to do something that uh, robust and that detailed. You know, it's a smaller scale, which I'm sure they got uh, some some decent funding from the Game Pass Day One thing. But uh, that that is a studio, Sobo is a studio that I, I'm blown away by the fact that they got out Requiem in 20, uh, 2022. Uh, Plague Tale Innocence released in 2019 a quick turnaround there and an epic scale for what for Requiem just just they scaled tremendously where that is one of the most impressive impressive visual showpieces on the market uh, Plague Tale Requiem it, it really is and it comes from a studio that is uh, definitely not triple A I would say maybe leaning towards high double uh, a ish at this point but definitely not triple a regardless of what funding they got from from microsoft but hit it out of the park with plague tale requiem number two resident evil for the remake um i really debated very very hard on if this is my game of the generation or not i debated very hard and I don't know if it's just the remake thing that, that uh, prevented me from putting it at one. I I don't know. I, I'm still like debating in live time if this should be number one or not. But RE4 Remake, what is there that, that needs to be said that hasn't been said a million times already? It is uh, maybe my favorite remake of all time. It, it's not as necessary of a remake as something like RE2 or something like... Final Fantasy 7, but it's a pretty fucking necessary remake. The the improvements of the moving and shooting, the parry systems, the swapping to the different weapons with the D-pad, the story, uh, the the new context for the story with, uh, won't spoil anything, but a big twist there at the end, adding more screen time for important characters, getting a little bit more lore on the on the villagers, on Mendez, on Sadler, on Salazar, knowing more about these characters in an in-depth manner, like, yeah, it, it was a it was a very, uh, I, I would say a much more needed remake than I expected when they first announced that this was the the direction Capcom was going in. I was like, you know, I, I would have rather seen Code Veronica. I would have rather seen Outbreak. I would have rather seen like a lot of different things for Capcom to remake opposed to RE4 but now after playing it I was like oh yeah this this is very much needed and I went back and played the original a little bit and it's it's far and away in my opinion RE4 remake is now the definitive way to play that game but number one closing off the list here Horizon Forbidden West I gotta give it to it it's tough it, it, this is a toss up between two and one it really really is 
I would say just in terms of the wow factor and now adding in Burning Shores to that, you know, you kind of got to compare them or kind of got to consider them as a part of one package with with Burning Shores being a direct continuation off of the back of Forbidden West um, following directly after that story. I technically Burning Shores and Forbidden West, I, I would say that's the that's the real showpiece of the PS5, both of those games. Shout out to to uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart too. I think that would be somewhere around that like fifteen, you know, uh, eleven to fifteen range. It, it and in terms of a graphical powerhouse, a technical powerhouse, uh, uh, fucking Ratchet and Clank is up there as well. Miles Morales is up there as well. Insomniac has been absolutely crushing it this generation, but. I think for me, for the style of game I like, and, and also I think Miles Morales, uh, yeah, Miles Morales would definitely be on this list, but I played it on PS4 initially, so that that is worth, you know, considering, and you have the Ghost of Tsushima's and the, the director's cut, the fucking, uh, well, well, there was another one, Ghost of Tsushima had a direct, oh, Final Fantasy VII Intergrade, like those would be on here, but I, I played those on PS4, you know what I mean? These are all games that the first time I played them, I played them on a, a PS5, so... There's that to add in as well. But uh, Forbidden West, I, I just, I was hooked by the gameplay. Absolutely, totally hooked by the gameplay. The narrative actually disappointed me a little bit. I, it, it's still really, really good and very shocking, unexpected twists that, that take, literally take the, the game to a totally different genre. And then the future of Horizon is very up in the air. And then I'm so curious how they proceed with it but burning shores kind of got me back on track to where i'm thinking yeah i might be totally down for where they go with this narrative because i i thought that they they like i said the small scale more cultist style uh plot line that they threw out there like i, I was really into that even though it was you know jumping off of the back of where forbidden west went narratively but you're talking about you're, you're, you're flying mounts, flying through the skies, soaring above the skies, and then in burning shores, getting your, your mount, diving deep into the ocean, taking it, it, it. There's just so much going on, incredible uh, climbing mechanics and great puzzle solving and, and just excellent variety to the combat system with uh, tons of different weapons, incredible uh, uh, mechanical complexity to, to the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay, and just visually one of one one of one there's no character models in gaming that look like that there's there's no character models that that look anything close to that in my opinion you have you have you know some some uh, plato requiem is up there there i shouldn't say anything close to that there there are there are some somewhat close but i what gorilla did is one of one in my opinion in terms of of the the just technical wow factor for forbidden west and especially for fucking burning shores so that's going to be my number one playstation 5 game that's my top 10 list there to close off the show today i appreciate you all so much for stopping by appreciate you all much appreciate you all much i'm losing my brain appreciate you all so much for joining me here today got a uh got a uh, some some topics that i'm kicking around for the community poll for for uh for next week so i will you know Get those out to you. Get that vote out to you. Probably this will launch on Tuesday. Probably get that vote out to you by Thursday-ish. And um, and then, yeah, we will be heading off into another final topic 
next Tuesday that is voted on by you good people. So thank you all for uh, for stopping by, kicking it with me. Hit me in the comments. Let me know what you thought of the show. Rate, review, subscribe on your podcast services. And yeah, man, appreciate y'all. Take it easy. Till next time, goodbye.